Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. Ready to begin. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the first Quantum Minerals Quarterly Results Conference call. I would now like to turn the meeting over to Lisa Doddridge, Director of Investor Relations. Please go ahead, Ms. Doddridge. Thanks, Melanie, and thank you everybody for joining us today to discuss our first quarter 2021 results. Before we begin, I will advise that over the course of the call, we will be making several forward-looking statements. And as such, I encourage you to read the cautionary note that accompanies our most recent MD&A and the related results news release, as well as the risk factors particular to our company, which are detailed in our most recent AIS and available on our website and on CDAR. A reminder that the presentation which accompanies this conference call is available on our website. On today's call, Tristan Pascal, our Chief Operations Officer, will provide some general comments and discuss operations. Then Hannes Mayer, our CFO, will review the financial results. After that, we will open up the lines to take questions. So with that, I'll turn the call over to Tristan. Thanks, Lisa. Uh, Hello, everyone, and, and thanks for joining. Quarter one was a very strong quarter for the company. Our operations performed in line with plan and we continued to benefit from our low cost structure and stronger copper prices. Operations at Sentinel were strong throughout the course of 2020 and this continued in the first quarter of this year despite the heavy seasonal rains in Zambia. (coughs) Sentinel production grew by 3% from Q1 last year. We processed higher grades and fresher ore from the stage two pit but throughput was lower as a result of regular maintenance activities, in particular the repairs completed on the Train 1 bore mill trunnion and also from the impact of the heavy rainy season. The focus for the remainder of this year at Sentinel is on maintaining consistent ore supply and the development of the pocket for the fourth in-pit crusher, which is expected to be commissioned during the second half of the year. The new 63130 primary crusher is larger than the three existing units and together they will enable higher throughput of about 62 million tonnes per annum starting in 2022. Consanchi's production was also impacted by the heavy rains in the quarter as well as lower grades than were expected in all three circuits. Production declined by 12%. The low production also resulted in increased costs. Despite the challenge of grade continuing to decline at Consanchi until a decision on the S3 expansion is made, throughput and grades are expected to remain on plan to meet production guidance for the full year 2021. We continue to look to advance a decision towards the S3 expansion at Consanchi that would ensure production levels remain steady for a period of more than 20 years. We continue to work with the Zambian government to formulate a framework to move the expansion forward However, with the country entering into election season from early May, we do not consider a decision will be made until after the election on the 12th of August. Cobra Panama had a very good first quarter with record quarterly production for copper and gold. Copper production was up 46% from Q1 2020 and 25% from Q4 last year. Mining rates, throughputs and grades all increased while costs came down from Q1 2020 despite the addition of about $8 million into costs related with the COVID-19 protocols, which we didn't have last year in the first quarter. 
We expect to achieve a throughput of about 85 million tonnes this year with improved throughput quarter on quarter as all characteristics improve throughout the year. Cobra Panama also continues to advance the expansion to 100 million tonnes. The focus in Q1 in this regard was on developing access along the overland conveyor corridor to the Kalina pit. Our group costs were low in the quarter driven by strong cost performance across our three large mines. Although costs at our smaller mines generally increased, their contribution to production was smaller relative to the growth in production from the rest of the portfolio where costs are lower. The strong operating performance has been achieved despite the challenges posed by the global pandemic. We continue to deal with the various waves of contagion in different geographies along with the rest of the world. The health and well-being of our workforce and the surrounding communities continues to be our priority in this regard. We have maintained all of our established COVID-19 protocols at all of our mines. We continue to work closely with the various levels of government and the health authorities in all the regions we operate to reduce transmission of the virus and to deal with outbreaks and infections as they occur. We have seen some impact on other aspects of our business, bottlenecks at trade borders, port restrictions, and some additional costs on freight as a result of COVID-19 restrictions. We haven't experienced any other major disruptions, and besides the shipping delays and possible high freight costs, we don't expect to. Before I turn over the call, I would like to highlight one more area. Last quarter, I indicated that during our call, we, we published for the first time our approach to climate change, making public our intent to deliver meaningful change in our business based on the implementation of step change improvement projects. The first quantum approach to climate change in keeping with our results-driven culture is to set tangible targets and focus on the identification and execution of projects which produce real outcomes. We recognise the need to identify and integrate climate change and energy considerations into our strategic planning. Further to this, we have now committed that in 2021 we will report in alignment with a task force on climate-related financial disclosures, the TCFD framework, set tangible and realistic targets with an identified pathway to achievement for absolute emission levels and the carbon intensity of the company's operations, and to integrate an internal carbon price and the expected determined impacts on the commodity prices in the evaluation of our new projects. I look forward to reporting further on our progress on these aspects throughout the year. Finally, I want to, on behalf of the entire company, thank our people once again. Our workforce continues to de demonstrate adaptability, commitment and resilience and make significant contributions to the success of this business uh, in, in the ongoing pandemic. And with that, I'll turn things over to Hannes Mayer, the CFO. Thanks, Tristan, and good day to everyone. I'd like to direct you to the slides titled Overview, Total Copper Production for the quarter of 205,000 tonnes was 5% higher than the first quarter of 2020. Record copper production at Cabaret Panama drove strong operational performance in the quarter with 82,000 tonnes produced, a 46% increase from the first quarter in 2020. Total gold production for the quarter of 78,000 ounces is a 13% increase from the corresponding quarter last year, mainly due to high, record high production at Cabaret Panama of 36,000 ounces. Financial performance in the quarter was driven by strong sales with increased metal prices and low overall operating costs, resulting in a significant increase in comparative EBITDA and net earnings, as well as a notable reduction in net debt. Gross profit of 
$540 million and comparative EBITDA of $811 million for the quarter were significantly higher than Q1 2020, attributable to increased sales volumes at Caribbean Panama as well as a 27% increase in the realized copper price. C1 cash cost of $1.24 per pound was 5% lower than the first quarter in 2020, with all major copper operations delivering a reduction in cash costs. Net debt decreased during the quarter by nearly $350 million to $7 billion and as a as at March 31st. And further reduction remains a key priority with continued strong future cash flow anticipated. In addition, the company's credit rating at two agencies was recently upgraded. Turning to the next slide on production, as previously highlighted record production of 82,000 tons was achieved at Carrier Panama. Sentinel produced 58,000 tons of copper in Q3, uh, sorry, in this quarter, 3% higher than Q1 2020, with a strong performance following successful completion of repairs to the ball mill trunnion during February. And Sanchi performed consistently in the quarter. Copper production of 49,000 tons of, for the quarter was impacted by lower grades in the rainy season in Zambia. And a notable, uh, as, and as noted previously, uh, total gold production for the quarter of 78,000 ounces included record high production at Cabra Panama. Quarterly unit cash cost. Total C1 cost for the quarter of $1.24 per pound was $0.06 cents per pound, or 5% lower than Q1 2020. Cobra Panama C1 cash cost of $1.15 per pound was $0.23 cents per pound lower than Q1 2020, reflecting the increase in production. Sentinel and Kansanchi C1 cash costs benefited from favorable foreign exchange impact and lower fuel costs. All in sustaining costs for the quarter of $1.72 per pound was $0.08 cents per pound higher than Q1 2020. The increase in all in sustaining costs reflect higher royalty payment due to higher metal prices and the step up in Zambia royalty rate, increasing to 10% for the month of March. The royalty expense accounted for $0.09 cents per pound increase in total all in sustaining costs compared to Q1 2020. This has been partially offset by lower C1 cash costs. Turning to the next slide, financial overview. Gross profit of $540 million and comparative EBITDA of $811 million for the first quarter of 2020 was significantly higher than the first quarter of 2020, attributable to 27% increase in realized copper prices, increased sales volumes at Cabaret Panama, and lower cash costs. Comparative earnings for the first quarter of $150 million is an increase of $225 million compared to Q1 2020. Comparative earnings per share of $0.22 cents and basic earnings per share of $0.21 cents are 33 and $0.30 cents higher than Q1 last year, respectively. Net reduced by nearly $350 million during the quarter and further reduction remains key priority. The next slide, an increase in gross profit. 
We had a 393 increase in gross profit from higher revenues, higher covered Panama sale volumes, and lower cash costs. Turning to the next slide on debt and liquidity profile, the company ended with a billion dollars of net unrestricted cash and cash equivalents and was in full compliance with all its financial covenants. The company signed a bilateral borrowing facility of $175 million in April 2021, available for 12 months from the date of signing. Net debt has reduced by approximately $600 million in the last three quarters. Taking into account forecasted cash flow, capital expenditure outflows, uh, available cash and committed facilities, the company expects to have sufficient liquidity through the next 12 months to carry out its operating and capital expenditure plan and remain in full compliance with financial covenants. We continue to take action to manage operational price risk and further strengthen the balance sheet. As previously stated, the company's credit rating at two agencies were recently upgraded. On April 6, Fitch upgraded the previous B- rating to B with a stable outlook. And on the 9th of April, S&P Global Ratings upgraded the previous triple C plus rating to B with a stable outlook. The upgrades of both agencies were attributed to the company's mitigation of the impacts of COVID-19 and 2020, continued improvements in the company's financial profile, and deleveraging. Strong operational performance and the positive outlook on copper prices driven by robust demand forecasts. In addition, on April the 8th, Moody's Investor Services announced the withdrawal of the company's unsolicited and non-participating rating. The rating has been unsolicited and non-participating for over three years. Turning to the last slide on hedging. Hedging was undertaken when Cabaret Panama was being built to ensure consistent and sufficient cash flow. As we look forward to certainty of cash flows and confidence in copper prices, we will continue to review the level of hedging and act opportunistically. Over time, the level of hedge sales is expected to decline. Approximately a third of our expected copper sales in the next 12 months are hedged. At April 27th, 2021, the company had unmargined copper forward sales contracts for just over 89,000 tons at an average price of $2.88 per pound, outstanding, with periods of maturity to December 21. In addition, the company has zero cost collar unmargined sales contracts for just under 213,000 tons at weighted average prices of $3.10 per pound to $3.67 per pound outstanding with maturities to March 22. The company also has unmargined nickel forward sales contracts for just over 1,000 tons at an average price of $7.13 per pound with maturities to October 21. In addition, the company has zero-cost nickel unmargined sales contracts for 500 tons at weighted average price of $7.50 per pound to $8.55 per pound outstanding, with maturities to August 21. Thank you, and with that, I'll hand back over to Lisa.
Hey, Janice, and thanks, Tristan. Um, operator, uh, can you please open the line to take questions? Certainly. We will now take questions from the telephone lines. If you have a question and you're using a speakerphone, please lift your handset before making your selection. If you have a question, please press star 1 on your device's keypad. You may cancel your question at any time by pressing star 2. Please press star 1 at this time if you have a question. There will be a brief pause while the participants register. Thank you for your patience. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. First question is from Carl Blunden of Goldman Sachs. Please go ahead. Your line is now open. Hi. Good morning. Thanks for the time, and, and congrats on the strong results this quarter. Question uh, with regard to priorities with cash flow. You know, it looks like we may be facing a period here of pretty strong copper prices, and I'd be interested in your take about how you'd like to balance debt reduction with organic investment. And then just on the debt reduction side, is there a preference at this point in time for bonds versus bank debt, given uh, the potential for rates to rise? Thanks, Carl. Uh, look, just to comment on on, on growth and, and balancing that longer term, certainly, as we've said numerous times, the, the focus is, is remains on, on debt reduction, and I'll get Hannes to make some comments in that regard. Um, certainly, the business has a strong uh, greenfield portfolio, but at the moment we're very much focused on brownfields, uh, and in particular the, the Cobra Panama 100 million tonne expansion, the work at uh, Sentinel on the fourth crusher, and indeed when we get uh, to some agreement with the Zambian government on the S3 expansion at Consanchi. Um, but no decision yet on greenfield projects, although there is a strong pipeline in that regard. Hannes? Thanks. Thanks, Justin. Uh, Carl, on... I mean, we are generating good cash flow at the moment, so the priority remains the debt reduction. Um, as you stated, we've got various uh, debt outstanding in bank and bonds. Those bonds are callable, and look, we'll, we'll look at um, applying some of that cash against um, the various debts, you know, either repaying Revolver or calling some of the bonds. Um, so that will certainly be a priority in the next, in the upcoming future. Fair enough. Um, there's just one, one other item on the balance sheet I wanted to follow up on. A couple of quarters ago, there was some discussion around potentially raising liquidity uh, in Zambia through a JV, and I know there's been less discussion of that recently. Um, just be interested in your take on, on where that sits in the priority queue, if, if that's still something reasonable to think about as an, as an option for you, um, and then if there's a relation between that and, and the Zambia elections. Sure, Carl, I'll take that one. Look, the diversification aside, and notwithstanding the impact of diversification on our business, uh, the, we're happy in Zambia. Uh, it's a good place to do business. The, the bid-ask spread at the moment, um, I think, is challenging to overcome. 
and so that's where we stand at the moment on Zambia. We have a good constructive uh, arrangement with government, relationship with government, and as we look forward to the election, there probably will be some noise, uh, as there always is, but uh, Zambia has a good, strong democracy and will come through, as we've been through many times in terms of elections. And then, as I said, we'd look forward to making decisions on, on S3 expansion uh, after the election. Thanks very much. Thank you. The next question is from Jackie Przbalowski of BMO Capital Markets. Please go ahead. Your line is now open. Thanks very much. Uh, just maybe to follow up on that last question, on the on the Q4 earnings call, Tristan, you talked about uh, wanting to see stability in Zambia and uh, and related to the, um, the deductibility of, of uh, royalties uh, from taxes. Has there been any movement there? Uh, are you more um, more comfortable with that, or is that something that you still have to wait until after the election to be um, to be sort of satisfied on? Yeah, hi, Jackie. Yeah, we were hoping for some progress there, and I think what's happened is the timetable for the election has caught us now. And so early May, uh, the government goes into recess, and that means all the ministers leave their portfolio. Uh, in two months in advance of the election, and that's really now the, the hard um, cliff that we're up against in terms of, of, of making progress there, and, and that's why we say it's, it's more likely to come after the election. Got it. Okay, thanks. Thanks for that. And um, and then maybe just a question on um, Cobra Panama. Your your production there was really good. Congrats on, on a great quarter there. And I just want to add specifically on the gold, uh, I know you guys have talked about this before, that some of the gold is difficult to predict. I think more specifically the gravity gold is difficult for you guys to predict. Is that is that what happened in the quarter? Did you just have a a, a good quarter for gravity gold? Um, or or is this something that you think is structurally going to be a little bit stronger uh, going forward, this gold grade? Yeah, Jackie, no, the, the production from the gravity gold, we, we're continuing to optimise, but it's not a major portion of the gold production uh, as yet. So it really boils down to grades, and the grades vary in the ore body. Um, they're associated with the, uh, and correlated to copper grades, but you know there will be times where they differ. Uh, they go up and down uh, different to the way the copper grades go up and down. So it was a good period, a good quarter in terms of, of, of producing gold into the copper concentrate. Uh, and that's what what came through. Great, thanks very much. Uh, I'll I'll leave it there. Thanks, Tristan, very much, and congrats on a great quarter. Thank you. The next question is from Jonas Mesfulas of Morgan Stanley. Please go ahead. Your line is now open. Uh, yes, uh, good uh, morning, and thanks for taking my questions. Uh, um, I've got three at this stage. The first one on Ravensthorpe, uh, it continues to face ramp-up challenges. Um, can you talk about a quick operational update on how th you see things playing out over the next couple of quarters and where, at which stage you think you will be able to make a decision around uh, bringing in a partner? Uh, secondly, on Sentinel, despite the um, issues you had during the quarter, you mentioned that uh, you reached uh, record monthly throughput in March. Could you give us an indication on that uh, run rate just to get an idea of the exit rate for, for that uh, mine? And, and thirdly, 
the language around the law nine review hasn't really changed. Uh, is there any any updates you can share with us on this? Thank you. Hi, Jonas. I'll try to cover all of those questions, uh, but I'll, I'll see how we go. So Ravensthorpe, yeah, in terms of an operational update, yeah, what I'd say is, you know, we continue to, to face headwinds in, in the Hale-Bopp and, and Halley's deposit where we focus on the moment and we look forward to getting into Shoemaker Levy. Uh, that remains on track in terms of uh, pulling ore across on the new conveyor line in the second half of the year. Uh, and there we do see better material handling characteristics and, and indeed improved grades. So hail bop is characterised by clay material uh, that, that hangs up and so on, uh, and that, that's been the challenge and, and lower grade. The, uh, in terms of, of the process plant, however, you know, we've seen good signs coming through the quarter, that is that we did do um, you know, good repair work in February, as I said on the last call, and, and that's all in good standing. Uh, and you know we've seen good uh, performance of bene beneficiation at the front end of the circuit. So that all bodes well, and we're really just looking forward to getting into Shoemaker Levy uh, at, at Ravensthorpe, and that sets up uh, you know the, the long life going forward at, at the mine. In terms of a partner, that process is continuing, uh, and I wouldn't really add much more at the moment there. Uh, but you know um, that that process is in good order uh, at Sentinel. In terms of the run rate, I believe we said on the last call and in terms of the guidance for the year, the, the run rate this year was expected to be around 57 million tonnes uh, and then that will step up next year as we add the fourth crusher in uh, above 60 million tonnes towards 62 million tonnes. So uh, Sentinel uh, is on track this year for the guidance we provided and, and performing well as it did last year. In, in terms of Law 9, uh, yeah, there isn't really much to add. The, the process is continuing, and I realise, uh, you know, the, the, the timetable there. Uh, you know, people are looking for answers. It's a bureaucratic process with government. In terms of the process we have with um, the, the, the high-level ministerial commission, it's in good order and constructive. We'll be back across there uh, early May, early next month, con continuing those discussions. We we. We'll be going. We expect to go into the next session of Parliament, which I think is post July, uh, in terms of a process in the National Assembly. But that's all the sort of guidance on timing I can give it for the time being. Great. And sorry, if I can squeeze in the last one, I was really intrigued about the comments on integrating a carbon price in project evaluation. Could you? share your, your thoughts on the framework around it and what sort of carbon price are we talking about and how that could differ by region um, as you operate uh, across different jurisdictions. Yeah, thanks, Jonas. I think that's work in progress for us. Obviously, we're having a look at what's in the industry and I think many groups are finding their, their feet and finding their way forward on this. There is a um, you know, broad range. Uh, but what we're saying is we're, you know, we're interested to set an internal price, particularly as we look at the greenfield projects, uh, and we'll give more detail around that as, as we develop it, uh, and, and we'll communicate fully in that regard. Okay, fair enough. Thanks so much. Thank you. The next question is from Greg Barnes of TD Securities. Please go ahead. Your line is now open. Yes, thank you. Uh, morning, Tristan. Just a question for you, more of a hypothetical one. At first, quantum has been seen as a target, 
perpetually for a long time in terms of a takeover. But do you see an opportunity for you to become more of a consolidator in the industry, given your increasing financial strength? Yeah, thanks, Greg. And certainly, look, we, uh, you know, right now we're focused on on debt reduction. And as we look at, um, you know, how the market stacks up, it is something that we look at. It comes across the table. Uh, we, you know, what we see in our own portfolio is very strong growth, and, and that's important that we deliver that for shareholders. Uh, and you know, always in the past, we've looked at. Um, we have looked at opportunities, but it needs to fit into where we can add value uh, and you know, bring something meaningful to shareholders in terms of uh, incremental earnings per share and, and, and long-term growth. Then just on the greenfield opportunities, namely Takataka and Hakira, I, I understand where Takataka is, but Hakira has been wandering around for a long time, not much going on. You talk in the press release about a resettlement process, but just... Can you give us any clearer idea of where that sits, what's going on, uh, and how that could evolve over the next three to five years? Yeah, look, it is a community question there, um, an overriding community question. We talked to, so those communities are in, in several groups, and you know we we're talking closely to the the groups that are the principal focus of the operations. Um, but really, Hakira sits out beyond Takataka in terms of of um, the, the ranking as to how we see it would be developed, uh, and as we said, you know, we wouldn't be making a decision on that in the next sort of three to four years because of that that ranking, uh, and you know, unless that we work get to resolution with the community. In the meantime, you know, we're watching developments in Peru, uh, and uh, you know, obviously, you know, we'll watch and follow the elections uh, carefully as well in that regard. Okay, thank you. Thank you. The next question is from Ed Brucker of Barclays. Please go ahead. Your line is now open. Hey, uh, thanks for taking my question. Just two quick ones uh, from me. So with the recent ratings upgrades from Fitch and S&P and then Moody's dropping the rating, you're, you're fully single B now, uh, kind of from sitting in the triple C range uh, prior. So, I, you know, it's a milestone, but I, I wondered if you would be able to explain to us kind of the reasoning behind the Moody's uh, dropping the rating. Hannes, could you take that one? Um, look, it's been an unsolicited rating. We, we've dropped Moody's from a solicited basis three years ago, so they continued on an unsolicited basis. Um, look, we've re requested them to drop that on a few occasions, and, uh, you know, eventually that that came through. Got it. Now, my next one is is kind of going back to the gross debt versus net debt question that's always been uh, in the mind of some of the credit investors. But, you know, with the bank debt and, and the maturities uh, in 2023 and 2024 becoming callable, kind of at low prices, do you think you could use that as an opportunity to take out some gross debt, or do you think you could, you, you'll still kind of reduce the net debt number just with uh, building a cash reserve? No, we'll we'll start reducing the gross debt number as well. Got it. Thank you very much. Thank you. The next question is from Matthew Fields of Bank of America. Please go ahead. Your line is now open. 
Hey, uh, Tristan, Hannes, Lisa. Um, actually, great timing to, to continue on that sort of gross debt question. So, um, you know, 225 of the term loan um, payable this quarter. Do you, do you anticipate kind of paying down Revolver as well uh, in, in that sort of continuance of the trend that we've seen? Um, and then sort of are we still kind of on track for, you know, that $2 billion of overall debt reduction, which would imply another kind of billion three from here over the next, you know, however many quarters? Yeah. Um, yeah, so we've got the uh, term loan the installment due in uh, June, so that that will reduce the term loan further. Uh, of course, additional cash coming in, you know, we've got various options of it, either going to Revolver or then starting to look at some of the bonds um, to, to call them. So, look, it, it will evolve as, as the cash flow sort of um, continues to, to flow in. Okay, and it, 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 I'm sorry, but is the, the, you know, another billion three from, from here still kind of the, the bogey that we're, um, that you're targeting? Yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, you can run the numbers there, but that's, that's quite achievable um, in not too distant future. Okay, and then the, um, the bilateral facility that you signed in April, um, I'm just curious, you know, with, the cash that you're generating now, the cash you have on balance sheet, the liquidity, you know, the revolver availability that you have, which is, you know, bigger than you've had in a long time. Why, why the need for the $175 million facility, um, if, even if only for 12 months? Yeah. Uh, so, I'll, so I'll deal with the hedges first on two, two components. So bigger hedges that, that we quote and that's out there, that's unmargined. But the, the normal hedges that we have on a, for the quotational period, so we, we do sell to our customers and then there's a hedge marrying that um, time frame up. Those are subject to margin calls. So with a rise in the copper price, of course there's sort of margin calls on that. So what I've done is, and it, this is quite a quick process, it's probably a week, is just to ask one of our banks um, on a bilateral basis there to provide a facility just to cover that, not to erode any other um, liquidity that we have. So that was put in place pretty quickly. Um, of course, that unwinds as, as copper price stays at these labor levels for longer, then um, you know that sort of margin calls, um, as you settle the, the sale, you know the, the, you realize then the price. So those, that, that hole for the margin calls disappear then. Okay, and is that a is that an unsecured facility? Yep, unsecured. And then and the need for it will basically go away as your hedged position declines over the next twelve months. Yeah, and, and it's not it's not tied to the hedges that we mentioned. That's just a normal normal operational sort of quotational period hedge. Because what we do is we we hedge the the quotational period for when we sell sell the product until the sale is closed. We hedge that portion of it as well. But that's subject to margin pools. Okay, got it. All right. Uh, thanks very much, Hannes, and, and good luck for the rest of the year. Thank you. The next question is from Lawson Winder of Bank of America Securities. Please go ahead. Your line is now open. Hello, and uh, thank you for your time today, uh, ladies and gentlemen. Um, just a couple questions from me. 
I wanted to hopefully get some uh, clearer guidance uh, or direction on uh, Cobra Panama for, for the rest of this year vis a vis the first quarter. So, um, the grades in, uh, in Q1 at uh, 0.46 were, were relatively strong. Is, is that in line with your block model, or, or are grades actually running a little better than expected? Yeah, hi, Lawson. No, it's in line with the block model, and what we see over the year is, um, you know, the guidance we, we've given, that remains absolutely valid. Uh, we, Q1 was, was strong, and, you know, we had a lot of, uh, you, you know, good reason on, on the production side to be very, very happy and very pleased with the progress there. Uh, in April, we have seen uh, uh, some more maintenance this month. Um, and really that's built off, you know, the higher throughputs rate we've seen, we, we brought forward the, the planned maintenance shuts on millery lines and so on into April. Uh, really all what that says, Lawson, is, you know, you know over the year we will see ups and downs uh, and the guidance we've provided remains valid. The grades that we're seeing uh, are in line with uh, the block model and reconcile very well, uh, both to block model and then also to the plant feed. Um, and so we, we, the, the guidance remains very current. Okay, yeah, thanks so much, Tristan. And then um, on the strip ratio, uh, that seems to be running a, a little low and perhaps even a, a little lower than planned. So, so implied strip ratio was, was about half or 0 0.5 times in the quarter. Is, is it turning out better than your expectations or, or have rather... Have there been some adjustments in the mine plan that have caused that to run potentially lower than than the original plan? And then, what's the outlook for that uh, for the remainder of the year? Sure, Lawson. Yeah, look, the strip ratio we give is really across the year. What we need to do is to get into the northern area, and that's the so that's a, a really a pushback uh, on the northern side of the Batika pit, uh, where there's there's some waste uh, there. The reason to do that is to prepare the uh, the new position for the next box cut, the next move of the in-pit crushes, uh, and that will be be, pre be prepared over a period of around two to three years. Uh, so we're looking to get uh, a shovel into that area, and that will pick up waste for the rest of the year. So we we are on, on plan, uh, but yes, it was a bit lower in the quarter. Uh, okay, that's great. And then um, maybe just one final question on, um, on Sentinel. Um, you guys uh, guided to slightly lower uh, grades in the quarter in Q2, that is. Thank, and thank you for that guidance. Very helpful. Um, hi historically, um, we've seen, or, or could we expect the Q2 grades to sort of be in line with sort of historical low, quarterly lows? Or you know, are we looking for something sort of outside of what, um, what historically has been uh, a quarterly low there? Lawson, no, I don't think we have the concern that it would be outside historical lows. Um, you know, April at Sentinel, we've also had some some maintenance and heavy rains there, uh, and so that will come through in Q2. Uh, but the, the the grade and the grades are a bit lower, as we said. But no, nothing sort of beyond historical um, low points. Great, thank you so much, Tristan. Much appreciated. Take care. Thanks. Thank you. The next question is from Abby Agarwal of Deutsche Bank. Please go ahead. Your line is now open. 
Good morning, all. Uh, thanks for the presentation. Uh, my question is on costs. So, seasonally, first quarter is weakest in terms of both production and costs. So, should we assume uh, as uh, unit costs stepping down as they historically have, or are you starting to feel inflationary pressures, which could uh, be a headwind for costs? Thank you. Yeah, hi, Aggie. Um, no, I think the cost performance was reasonably sound um, in Q in Q1. Uh, looking back on last year, we, certainly there's an improvement over Q4, uh, and really that's on the higher unit production and from the, the, the three larger mines um, cumulatively, you know, across the quarter. The, we are seeing some cost inflationary pressure, you know, and we've mentioned that in terms of freight and also on capital equipment purchases and so on. Um, but we haven't really seen that translate into consumables as yet. But obviously, you know, steel prices are a little bit higher. Uh, diesel prices are heading higher. Um, so, you know, the, the expectation is we will start to see some of that wash through in the second half of the year. That's the expectation. Um, but at this stage, no, we haven't seen those uh, come through in terms of uh, the impact of the business uh, on the sites. Uh, and it, with the higher copper production, it, it has come off from last year. Uh, Q3 was a, a sort of standout year uh, quarter last year, and really that was uh, built off, um, well, it was just better than average across the year in Q3, and I don't think really representative of, of, of the whole year's performance last year. So Q1 this year, I think, is much more representative, uh, and we do continue to see it step down at, at Cobra Panama, for example, as we continue to deliver more copper uh, production. Got it. Uh, if I if I may squeeze another question. So at Cobra Panama costs costs you had a very strong cost performance. So should we think about uh, should we think one hundred and fifteen cents per pound as the as the as the base costs? Yeah, I I think we you know we've guided to overall um, in the range a dollar twenty a dollar thirty that kind of of number overall for the group. And yeah, we don't see any reason to move from those costs. I, you know, what I'm worried about there uh, is just, you know, second half of the year, if we start to see some of that, that um, you know, higher diesel price, higher steel costs and so on wash through. Got it. Thank you very much. Thank you. The next question is from Emily Chang of Goldman Sachs. Please go ahead. Your line is now open. Good morning, Justin Harris. Um, thanks for the update here. I wanted to ask about um, your leverage targets and sort of uh, capital return plans thereafter. I think you mentioned previously that you're looking to take $2 billion off of debt. Um, maybe could you give us a sense as to what we should expect thereafter? Should it be an acceleration of growth spend? I know you outlined a couple of brownfield projects there, or, or should we be thinking about a pivot to, to increasing shareholder returns? Um, just in July, I'll answer that. Sure. Yeah, Philip, mm. sure. I just wanted to address what the point that Greg made originally, because it comes into this. Our aim is to reduce our debt, and we'll spend the next few years in some study work on the projects that you referred to, which was Tucker Tucker, which primarily requires some negotiation with the Argentinian government and that has been making progress because they want projects to happen. And the same situation is obviously going to prevail in the case of Hakira. We need to be able to deal with those communities. And during this COVID period, 
when Peru has particularly suffered uh, from high levels of, of infection, it's been quite difficult to engage as well as we'd like, as you'd imagine, into those sort of more remote areas. But those studies have advanced, and we'll keep them going, and they'll take us a while. And <clears throat> that gives us the opportunity to, to focus on reducing our debt and moving to a situation where we can provide returns to our shareholders in the form of dividends and in the next uh, <clears throat> quarter statements, um, probably Hannes will make uh, some statement about what we'll aim to try and do just in a modest form in not too long into the future on dividends, and it would be modest, but something that can be absorbed within that debt repayment schedule. So it's a, it's a mixed exercise of reducing debt, some returns to shareholders, and preparing ourselves with what are nothing more than studies of various sorts for projects that will not see the light of day for a few years uh, for different reasons, but that would ensure that we had a pipeline of development in the future. And then I think your question was, what would we then do with the funding that kept reducing our debt? And, and obviously, it will be a mixture of what we return to shareholders and what we retain for that growth, which is, in the longer term, going to be essential. Your picture. Great. That, that's helpful, Carla. And then one just follow-up, if I may. Um, can you? Uh, what's the latest update with the um, the Jiangxi um, copper uh, holding in first quantum? Is there anything there that's, uh, that's new? I'll leave it at that. Thank you. Yeah, hi, Emily. I can answer that. And no, nothing new. Um, we a constructive dialogue, and we, we spoke um, to, to Zhang Zi at, uh, after Chinese New Year, and we'll follow up after the, the Q1 results as well. So it's, a, it's an orderly conversation and a constructive uh, dialogue. We, we really just, uh, at the moment, see them as a long-term shareholder who's, who's very happy with the rise in, in their share price. Great, thank you. Thank you. The next question is from Jatinder Gol of BNP Paribas. Please go ahead. Your line is now open. Uh, thanks. Good morning and good afternoon. Uh, just a question, uh, a slight follow-up on the previous one regarding uh, Jiangxi. Is the minority stake sale still an active dialogue, or is it... Uh, um, more in the background now uh, because it looks like with copper price rise you are not pressed to do it uh, and you can probably live without it but from your perspective is it still um, an active dialogue and uh, has the election got any bearing uh, on it in terms of uh, where the discussion goes uh, i'm just trying to understand if that minority stake sale is an isolated dialogue or is the stability agreement in zambia and s3 or enterprise development are part of the same puzzle, which you would want to solve all at one go. Thank you. Sure, Jatinda, thank you. Look, um, no, they're separate, and you know the answer in terms of the stake sale process, as I said earlier, is notwithstanding the diversification side of things. There, um, you know, we just the, the challenge is on the bid ask spread, and I think it's too too far to to cover. 
Uh, so we're happy in Zambia. Uh, it's a constructive process um, with the Zambian government. So, for instance, we, we're involved with the Ministry of Finance and the Ministry of Mines uh, in, this week in the mining in Daba in Zambia, and that's a, a, a constructive dialogue around the, the ongoing investment climate into Zambia and uh, the, the opportunities for, for mining to develop in the country. Uh, but in terms of the, the, the election and the process, really that is around S3, uh, and really the conversations, uh, you know, that, that uh, dialogue with Ministry of Finance, uh, Ministry of Mines and the broader Zambian government is around how we can get that uh, to a level of fiscal stability. And as I said, you know, with the, the break-up or, the, or the, uh, the recess of government from early May, uh, you know, it's unlikely that we would get sort of firm response back on that until after the election now, I think. And, and that would be separate from, you know, any process uh, which, which, as I said, um, um, yeah. Okay, uh, very clear question. Thank you so much. Thank you. Once again, please press star 1 at this time if you have a question. The next question is from Ian Risso of Barclays in London. Please go ahead. Your line is now open. Thanks. Um, hi, guys. Uh, just a couple of questions. Firstly, on, um, on Kansanchi, um, it doesn't look like you've paid any minority dividends there for at least five years. I mean, obviously, the Initially, you had to repay the smelter investment there, um, but presumably with strong copper prices, um, the balance sheet should be in a good position. Obviously, again, um, looking to do the S3 expansion down the line. So I'm just sort of curious, could you give a sense what the balance sheet position is looking like at Kansanchi and just what the thinking is around, um, around the balance sheet there? Should we expect some minority dividends at some stage? Um, hi, Ian. We we, we do pay minority dividends, so uh, Consanchi does uh, declare dividends and interim dividends. So we had one payment, um, I think it went through recently, probably in March or so. Um, okay. uh, we, with Consanchi, we've looked at uh, the future investment that's required on S3, and hence there's, there's sort of a cash available then for that investment uh, once we get that agreement ready to... Um, you know, once, once we get comfortable with the Zambia political situation and the required um, assurance that we need in terms of making such a decision. So it, it's cashed up and, and ready to make that investment in, in Zambia. Okay. All right. Thanks. And then just sort of relate, well, similar on the Cobra Panama side, um, should we assume all cash that the operation generates then obviously goes to pay down the intercompany debt at the parent and then also the external debt to KPMC, or at least 10% of that uh, shareholding. That, that, that's correct, yeah. So any excess cash will be returned then to shareholders, either in the form of loan repayments or uh, dividends. Okay. All right. Thanks, Anas. That's all. Thank you. And the last question is from Oris Walkadao of Scotiabank. Please go ahead. Your line is now open. Hi. Uh, good morning. A um, couple of remaining questions for me. First of all, uh, Tristan, on Cobra Panama, the, your release talked about still achieving 85,000 tons a day throughput average at Cobra Panama. Uh, clearly, you know, while you had a really good quarter, it was still below that in Q1. Sounds like you're having more maintenance 
uh, scheduled here in Q2. Does that then, does that kind of assume that you expect to do better than 85,000 tons a day in the back half of the year? Yeah, hi, Oris. So it's 85 million for the year. So the number per day is uh, 236,000 tons a day. And the answer in Q1 is we we thumped along at 19.6 million tonnes for the quarter that was in, in the release. The budget over that time was 20.2 million tonnes, so we're pretty close on budget. That is back-ended, and the reason for that is we got quite a lot of material in Q1, which is um, the andesite material, which is tougher and, and takes more out of the milling. Uh, as we get in, into the guts of the year, uh, the andesite reduces and we see softer ore coming through. That's bearing out in, in, in the mine plan and we see that sort of shifting uh, in Q2 already. So that was the reason, uh, was really around uh, the, the, the characteristics of the ore and the areas in which we're mining um, for that. Uh, but yeah, otherwise, the, the throughput rates that we're delivering and certainly uh, March was excellent in that regard. We had the secondary crushers running, and we do see the impact of those both secondary crushers running, uh, running well. Uh, the impact, and we're certainly achieving those mill rates per day that 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 are required to deliver the 85 across the year. And so, for that okay. reason, we, we have confidence in the 85. It's a big number, okay, Forest, um, but we have confidence in it. Thank you. Yeah, sorry, and I meant 85 million tons, not tons per day. And then, um, just shifting gears, um, where does the enterprise project sit in your portfolio? I don't think I've heard um, you talk about it in many years, and just curious if that where that may sit in terms of your priorities. Yeah, or is on enterprise? Yep. Yes, Philip, go ahead. Yeah, just because it's very topical at the moment. Um, Enterprise warrants proceeding with in the not too long distant future because it's got it's got a, a total life of about nine years, and obviously you don't want to have it start up after the rest of Sentinel is going to run through, and Sentinel's probably got another fourteen odd years to go. So the aim that for that will be that we'll start some work to do with the protection of the pit and stripping um, this dry season. Um, and then next dry season, we would do balance of the stripping that's needed so you start to get into production. And in the forecast for capital, those amounts are provided for. There doesn't need to be any money uh, expenditure on the plant itself. Um, and so, Towards the end of 2022, you'd start to see some production of enterprise if all of that goes according to plan. But it'd probably drift off a bit anyway, simply because we'll run into the rains at the end of 2022, and expect that that would be a little bit difficult in a pit that we're starting off in. So that gives you some idea. In other words, we haven't forgotten about it at all, but we need to get moving with it. and. So much of Sentinel has been focused on getting everything else to run nice and steadily, which it is. And I think what Tristan probably wasn't saying is that the same is true of Panama. You know, you've got a, a large new team of people that have really been settling down and struggled through a quite tricky uh, situation and environment for during that COVID, 
which was not easy on them. And so actually just settling the operation to cope with the variables they have to need to do does just take time. And you've seen that at Sentinel. But Sentinel is really that little bit more mature and it works pretty steadily. So it can now tackle enterprise without causing any disruption. That, that's excellent to hear. Um, uh, so it sounds like you, you may have, call it productions, starting as early as 2023. Yeah. Well, that would be, we'll work our way through it now and see where we get to. We'll no doubt find a few things out in that pit, uh, like one always does when you start a mine. Right. Thank you very much. Appreciate it, Philip. And there are no further questions registered at this time. I'll turn the meeting back over to Ms. Doddridge. Thank you very much, Melanie. Uh, and thank you, everybody, for your participation in the call today and uh, your continued support of First Quantum. Finally, if you have any follow-up questions, you need anything else, please contact me directly. Uh, thanks again, and everybody have a great day. The conference has now ended. Please disconnect your lines at this time. We thank you for your participation. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time.